When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Italian American podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. Ciao, everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri. And we got a fun episode today. Today, we had Lena Prima on the podcast, daughter of the legendary Louis Prima. We'll dive into that shortly. Dolores, how are you doing today? Hi, Anthony. I'm doing well. Yeah, we had a great conversation with Lena. She, not surprisingly, is a lot of fun. Anybody familiar with her dad's music can get a good sense of her character, right, and her personality. Before we start, I just wanted to say something that you and I talked about off mic after we spoke to Lena, which is a lot of children of famous people want to shy away from that and maybe like being in the shadow. Yeah, being in the shadow and strike out on their own. And what we really love about Lena is we feel like she very much represents the Italian American family approach, which is no, no, no. You're really proud of your father and you're really proud of your family and you want to celebrate their legacy. No, absolutely. And we don't have an episode on Father's Day. It's a week from today, but I think you'll agree when you listen to this episode that, you know, you couldn't have a, a better person around Father's Day than Lena, because like Dolores said, her father just comes through her, like in everything she says. It's really cool to see how a parent talking about their heritage can have an impact on their kids because that's what we're trying to do with the show. One other thing I want to just mention real quick, Dolores, is this Tuesday, my book will finally be out, 40 Days in Italy, Con la Mia Familia. I'm really excited about it. It'll be out June 13th, this Tuesday. We've had a lot of really good feedback and just support from the members of our new neighborhood community around the book and just some of our fans and listeners. So I just want to say thanks to everyone. And of course, thanks to Dolores. She always helps me whenever I have to write anything. She's the go-to person to. <laughs> she's the go-to person to. Oh, it's to, my pleasure to Anthony. fix everything that I that I write. No, it's a great book, and I, I think that our community is really going to love it because it covers basically in one book so many of the things we're always talking about on the show: genealogy, finding your relatives, visiting Italy all these terrific things that the show is based on. And I'm going to do a little bit of a reading from the book at the end of this episode on the story segment. So stay tuned for that at the end. And right now we're going to kind of jump in here before we introduce our guest. I'd like to offer a brief word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At NIAF, we know there's nothing more important than family, and we invite you to be a part of ours. We work hard to protect our great heritage, to promote the Italian language, to build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and to serve as your voice in our nation's capital. 
Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, we provide young Italian-Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming future leaders for our community. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the NIAF family. So, Anthony, before we get into the interview, I just want to say that I've been watching some great Italian shows on Verizon Fios. I know you're always mentioning them to me. It's funny, you know, because when I was a little girl, my father always watched Italian television. It was on nonstop. And he used to yell at me to watch with him. You know, he'd be like, sit here, learn Italian, learn Italian. And now that I'm older, I do watch it all the time. And it really does help me to improve my Italian. I agree. It totally does. And of course, today you've got Mediaset Italia. That's right. All the best programming from Italy's top channels are put together in one channel. So there's cooking shows, drama series, movies, and it really helps you to stay connected to Italian culture in real time because they're the same shows that Italians are watching. Right now, I'm caught in this drama. It's a long serial with a couple seasons called Solo per Amore, Destini Incrociati, or For Love Alone, Cross Destinies. So if you can get into one of those shows and just watch episode after episode, it's like getting hooked onto any show you might watch, like on Netflix. You get caught up in it and you get immersed in the culture and you really get to practice learning Italian. Absolutely. I know this firsthand for myself. I mean, when you're watching these shows and you're listening to the pace of the language, it's extremely helpful to learning Italian. And right now, our listeners can get 50% off their Italian language package for six months, which features Mediaset Italia and Rai Italia. And if you're a new customer for $79.99 per month for your first year with a two-year contract, you can get 150 megabyte speed internet, custom TV, and phone. That's right. So if you're interested, you can call Verizon Fios at 1-888-755-751 to subscribe. And of course, we'll link to that number in our show notes as well. All right. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, Lena Prima. Lena is a gifted singer and songwriter with five albums to her credit, a published author, a jewelry designer, and a highly respected artist. She is the youngest daughter of legendary musician and entertainer Louis Prima and his fifth wife and singing partner, classically trained vocalist Gia Maione. Dolores, why don't you give us a quote to take us in? This quote is from Marisol Santiago, and once you listen to the episode, you're going to understand, and we've already talked about it a little bit in the introduction, why we chose this. A girl's first true love is her father. All right, now we are super excited to welcome gifted singer and songwriter from New Orleans, Lena Prima, daughter of Louis Prima. Lena, welcome to the Italian American podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I feel like I'm part of the family already. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. That's certainly what we try to shoot for. Lena, when yeah. we start our shows, we like to ask our guests just to tell us a little bit about their Italian American upbringing. Yeah, definitely all the <laughs> traditional things, especially having having a dad who was so revered by Italian Americans. So you can imagine. Sunday dinners at our house were a major event, you know, yeah. and, and my dad tried to teach me to speak Sicilian when I was little and I was so shy. I didn't know the word sounded funny to me. So he spoke Italian, which Sicilian's different. My dad's right. family is all from 
Sicily. So you know, I got used to hearing all these slang words and stuff and sometimes repeated them and they got in trouble. <laughs> 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 Didn't know what I was saying, you know. Which so, was probably yeah, really very, cute to all the Sicilians, though. Well, it wasn't so cute to my mother, that's for no. sure. <laughs> So I'm sure my dad got in trouble after I got in trouble. <laughs> right, right. It was probably cute to him and not your mother. That sounds about right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Italian heritage very important, very strong in in our household. And you grew up in Las Vegas, but I know that of course, being the daughter of Lee Prima, you were on the road a lot. So would you say you grew up in Vegas, or did you grow up on the road, or both? Both. And actually, my dad had a home in Covington, which is across the lake from New Orleans. So we would move back and forth. I went to school here as a child and and also grew up in New Orleans. So it felt like both places were home and then traveled with him on the road in the summers. So yeah, what what an exciting childhood of moving around and being in different cultures and different people. It was really, really exciting. It sounds like it for sure. You know, we've talked yeah. on the show, we Anthony and I actually didn't know until we started doing the show how many Sicilians <clears throat> lived in New Orleans. Right, because it was a port, the immigration, you know, immigrated here to get to America. So the Sicilians came to this port. Whereas, you know, Northern Italian mostly went to New York, in my understanding. So actually, the French Quarter was known as Little Palermo back in the day when they all were, all these Sicilians were here. And they're still, I mean, I perform regularly at an Italian family-owned hotel. It's one of the oldest family-owned hotels in New Orleans, and they're Italian, the Monteleon family. Yeah. It is great. It is. And it's definitely something I think a lot of Italian Americans don't realize such a big Italian population in New Orleans. I had the chance to go down there about a year or so ago and I visited the American Italian Cultural Center. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah. All throughout Louisiana, it's really a lot of Italians and it's so great. And they really I love how they keep their traditions alive. The St. Joseph's Day is just a major event here. And I love that. And we keep saying one year we need to come down. <laughs> oh, you have to. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. We want to do a show down. around it for sure. We just got to make it a point one of these years. It seems oh, yeah. like you blink and then it's idea. around again. So <laughs> uh, Absolutely. There's always so much going on here. <laughs> so was it hard for you guys to kind of maintain Italian-American traditions when you were always on the road? I mean, we're so people of like the family and everyone being close and being together. So, I mean, were there any challenges in that respect? I don't think so, because my dad really was always around Italian people, friends and fans. And so it was always there. If we were on the road, we were eating at a friend's Italian restaurant or house or so. It was always there. And he really always made sure to teach how important that was and how to be proud of that to me. That's great. He really over and over would say those kinds of things. And uh, the name Prima and, you know, your name is Italian. Your name is important. Lena Prima, you know, he would say right. stuff like that to me. So I really clearly remember all that and, and how great of him to do that. Absolutely. That's awesome because, I mean, one of the things I think about your father that is special is that even though Italians at the time were looked down upon 
a lot. Right. He was not afraid to, you know, incorporate all that into his music, Italian words, Italian phrases, Italian music. For Dolores and I, yeah, obviously doing what we do, we think it's great. But I think just in general, it's great for the culture. Absolutely. Italian-Americans are so proud of him because of that, because he did that. He was brave and he didn't care and he was proud. And, you know, music is such an escape for people. He was so well aware of how important what he did was to people. So he just, he really was so gifted in knowing that and knowing what to do and what music to play. And he made people so happy. That's why his music is literally still going and young fans. And it surprises me every weekend. These young people who know all the words to Italian songs. I'm like, how do you even know these songs? You know, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's awesome. And you could just imagine, though, at the time, you know, all these Italian immigrants, they needed that music. They, they needed all of that to keep going because we know like all the, the tough things that they went through. So, yes, absolutely. I think what Anthony's saying is that there's your father's pride created a pride in the community. And, right, exactly. Right. And it was something that we yeah. really needed. And I, I grew up listening to him because like many of our listeners, my Italian mother would always be cleaning the house and she used to put on her <laughs> records and, you know, play the music really loudly. And yeah, you knew like yeah. to get out of her way because she was on a tear. So, <laughs> so you know, the fun part would always be when, when your dad's records came on. And I actually told her we were going to be speaking with you today. And she was so excited. Oh, that's amazing. I <laughs> uh, see that's really wonderful. Well, yeah. his music makes you feel good. And honestly, that's the best like house cleaning music there is because you're dancing around while cleaning. <laughs> Absolutely. It always said when he came on, it was like, okay, it, maybe it's safe for me to go down into the kitchen because right. she'll be, <laughs> she'll be like a little <laughs> more, you know, joyful. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, my dad would love that by the way. <laughs> oh, <tell laughs> Now, your mother also was a musician, and she yeah. toured both of them. Why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Yes. Her family were uh, Northern Italians. My own, M-A-I-O-N-E, was the last name of her father. And he had, you know, they had the family had restaurants and bakeries, of course. And her father had a, a bar on the boardwalk at Seaside Heights in New Jersey. So she grew up in New Jersey, and she studied music. And actually got a scholarship to Juilliard, but she was only like 20. She was a big Louis Prima fan, of course. Same mm -hmm. thing, growing up listening to the music and knowing all the songs and got his autograph when she was just a little girl. And so she was a big fan. And then reads in the paper, he's auditioning girl singers Stop. in 1962. Yeah, so, so crazy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so she's, she's working at a hostess at a restaurant and she they didn't tell her father. So her mother took her and they sneaked off and went to the audition, which was at the Latin Casino. I think that's in Cherry Hill, I think, New Jersey. Anyway, so she goes, and of course, she's this young little girl, and all the women there are glamorous and in gowns and things. And so she really stood out because she's wearing just a normal <laughs> little dress, and she's Aww. very naive and innocent looking. And, and my dad, of course, loved that. So right. he made it like a joke and brought her up, but she ended up bringing the house down, and that was unexpected. So. She got the job and and she really, it was like a whirlwind for her going to New York and opening at the big clubs and in the newspaper. And you can imagine like her first television appearance, she's 21 and she just was amazing and a beautiful lady and a beautiful singer. And 
So I am a kid growing up with these parents and just like looking at them like they're movie stars. You know, my dad was like bigger than life and my mom was beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, you know, as a kid, I just (laughs) thought it was so amazing watching all the Mary Tyler Moore and Bewitched and stuff. And I'm like, that's my mom. My mom's magical. And, (laughs) you know, it was like that. It was a magical childhood, really. It sounds so unique. I mean, obviously, the music's really literally, I mean, it's in your blood from both sides. Your career path is not surprising. I mean, did you guys used to like sing together like at the after dinner and stuff? Am I I going too far? (laughs) No, no. My dad was so busy. He had a golf course, which he also had one here in Louisiana. Both homes were sitting on golf courses. He loved golf. And so he would run a business during the day. When he was gone, my mom just played records all day long, like your mom, of all styles of music. But we always played my dad's records, too, because we loved my dad's music. You know, even as a kid, I loved it. It wasn't like having an uncool dad. Right. No, quite <laughs> you know the what I mean? Like, yeah. he was hip and cool. Yeah, exactly. So I grew up listening to all kinds of music and loudly dancing and singing around the house all the time because my mom would put records on like the Beatles and Elton John and Tom Jones and Judy Garland and Dinah Washington, all like real eclectic musical taste. So I grew up listening to all kinds of things. It was wonderful because there was always music playing, you know, there wasn't TV on until nighttime. Yeah, which creates like a very, sounds like an artistic, creative household. Yeah, very joyful. Yeah. You also make jewelry and you're also, yeah. And you've also published books. So it's funny. I was just thinking, we talk a lot on the show about how the Italian American work ethic, it's a very strong one. Yeah. We're definitely hardworking people. And I just was going to chuckle a little bit because you said that your dad also ran a business during the day and then yeah. he's Louis Prima at night. Exactly. Of course he was. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> he was. And he just was nap in between everything. He was a napper, you know. It wasn't enough just to be him, you know, all the time. He's like, yeah, I'm going to throw in right. a business too. Why not? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So when we're preparing, you know, I was reading a little bit about you. I, I realized that you kind of have that same industriousness. You want to talk a little bit about your, your jewelry making as well. And one bio I read of yours said that you were working on a memoir about your father and the aftermath of his death. I don't know if that's still in the works. It's it's one of those things that it'll happen when it happens. I've written some stuff and then I, then I would step away from it, you know, so Mm -hmm. uh, it'll, I'm sure at some point I'll finish it, but it's not like I'm trying to finish a book right now, you know, that kind of thing. Cause that's something that needs to be done with love and care. And I don't know, it's gotta have, I understand that. I'm totally that kind of person. I'm the same way with songwriting. I don't want to write a song just to write a song. The songs have to come when they come, you know? So it's still uh, something we can look forward to at some point. We just don't know when. Sure. Yeah. But you I was really like thinking this- of honestly doing a, a family type of uh, cookbook first. <laughs> with oh, all that's the, like, a family great idea. Recipes. Yeah. So I think that'll, I'll do that first. We love to cook and we love recipes. Yeah. And I yeah, people so ask me that cook. a lot. People oh, do they? Lot, like, especially Italian people, like, what is your, what was your dad's favorite food? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what did he like the most? And I'm like, he liked everything, you know. <laughs> but he did have his certain things he liked, you know. So it'd be neat to have that in a book. Yeah. You know? No, that's so funny. I would never ask that question, but it doesn't surprise me that 
you get that question a lot now that you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In our community. Yep. But you did publish a book on making jewelry, which I found kind of I interesting. Did. Yeah. Yeah. How did that start yep. for you? I've always been since a little girl, a really artistic, crafty person and always have to be making something or drawing something. So I'm also an artist and do artwork, but I started a jewelry business on the side just to have fun, like a home jewelry business. And I was bringing in jewelry from artists and around the world and stuff. And then having people over and having champagne and everybody buy stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So I had a friend who said, you know, you, you should really start making your own jewelry. You shouldn't really, you should sell your own jewelry. And I'm like, I can't make jewelry. And then suddenly I was like, well, maybe I can make jewelry. So I started <laughs> making jewelry and then, and, and it started going great and I loved it. And I became sort of like obsessed with it. I liked it so much. I tell this story when I'm doing my shows about my dad singing pennies from heaven to me. When I was little and that after he passed away, you know, I lost him at such a young age. And if I was feeling down or whatever, I'd find a penny. And I started really finding him in crazy places. Like, what is a penny doing there kind of thing? You know, mm. and I was like, you know, it's my dad. I guess yeah. I'm trying to say, I was come just on, thinking that. Yeah. cheer mm-hmm. up, snap out of it, get with it. You know, like that kind of thing. And it would make me feel good. So I would tell this story on stage sing the song. And then after the show, people started coming up to me going, I have that same story. It's my grandmother or my dad or my daughter or my son or people who had passed in their families or their friends or whatever were leaving them pennies and they were thinking the same thing. So I made a bracelet with a penny, tiny penny hanging off it and called it pennies from heaven. And I've been making those since, oh my God, it's been like 10 years now. I've been making those and Every year I make different versions. And so they're on the web, linaprimajewelry.com. That's a good story. And obviously it's meaningful and it's got a good connection. So, I mean, it sounds like from everything you said, even though your dad was busy on the road, that you had like a really good relationship with him. I really did. And when I really think about it, it's amazing to me how, you know, as memories come back even still to this day about how many things he tried to teach me, like talking to me as if I were an adult and and in his way, of course, but the things that he taught me and said to me that I remember, I remember everything so clearly. It's really, I'm so lucky. I'm lucky for whatever reason that my memories are so great and that I had such a good connection with him, but it's amazing to me. And I'm so glad because I think of the things he said all the time. And how old were you when you lost him? I was 11. It was right. Oh, you were really young. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I Like, you know, at about seven, we were in a restaurant one time and there was a fortune cookie at the end of the meal and I opened mine and he took it and he read it and he turned to me and he pointed and he said, this is very important. Don't ever forget this. And I still have that fortune to this day. Mm. And it said, your own qualities will ensure your advancement in the world. Like he was trying to say, be yourself, you know, to a seven year old. But I I was like, my dad said this was important and I'm keeping it, you know. And you still have it. That's a great, that's a great story. Yeah. You know, you, you take those lessons. I lost my father, not nearly as young as you were. I was in my late twenties and I, I know for me, I, I've talked a lot on the show as well, you know, as Italian-American girls, especially, and it sounds like you were the baby and I was too, you know, there's always a special attachment kind of being daddy's little yeah. girl. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you learn to be grateful, you know, for what they did teach you. Sometimes you can say, gosh, I was robbed of so many years. Right. And then, but then sometimes you say, you know, some people don't even get that much. That's right. And I, I do look at it, you know, of course I felt that way. Absolutely. But you know, now I can really look at that and be grateful for it. And then really think of him. He was such a great example of our heritage and also just of a person that was filled with love and a big, warm heart. And I really watched the way he treated other people and of all walks of life. It was like he really never forgot that he grew up in the streets of New Orleans and who, you know, being just a normal down-to-earth person and his work ethic. And like we were just talking about, all Mm -hmm. those things I think about and want to make him proud, even though he's not here, but I feel like he's, he is with me and he is watching. So I want to do those things too, and, and make him proud, you know, as a woman and a human being in this life. So I really, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to do the best quality in my music in whatever I do. And I started, I even just started a group for women here in Louisiana, an Italian, uh, group. So I started a nonprofit called Child Women for Women because there's, you know, men's groups in the Italian American Marching Club and stuff. So I thought, well, I can do that. <laughs> let's start a group and let's all as women go play bocce ball. I've never played bocce ball in my life, you know. <laughs> I actually read that and I was going to ask you about that organization. So is it, is it like a social club? It's just a social club, but I also want to honor women and girls. And so Chow stands for Celebrating Italian American uh, women's organization, organization for women, celebrating Italian Americans organization for women. And I want to have like a luncheon, like maybe in the fall, um, and honor some women who are doing great things in the community, some Italian American women, and also some young girls who are really perpetuating their heritage or or just being a very fine example. Oh, that's amazing. I love that idea. And it yeah, sounds and have, like so much fun to play bocce ball with a bunch of Italian American women. <laughs> right? And uh, have little festival, to come. maybe. Yeah, dances. You know, it's just fun yeah. stuff that we can all get together. And, That's terrific. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think what's great is that, you know, your parents and everything your father did for the community, of all the stuff he was doing, it was obvious that he was also really interested in passing it on to you. It's great to see that even though you did lose him at a young age, that you didn't lose what he was trying to teach you and you're doing things like you're doing, which is great. And I will say that Dolores and I were at the National Italian American Foundation's gala in DC where you played. And I know he'd be like super proud of you because you played amazing and we were dancing and it was great. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. Wasn't that amazing? I mean, talk about that organization, that gala is what really inspired me. John Viola inspired me to come back to New Orleans and do something I was so lifted up by that whole experience. I think that John Viola is an amazing person. And talk about somebody who's perpetuating Italian heritage. He's the guy, you know. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He means it. He's, it's not a job for him. It's, it's his life. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. He believes in it. We, we, uh, we always say we're evangelists for, for the Italian American cause. (laughs) I love that. You would love it here because that's what's going on here too. We absolutely need to come and we got to go Yeah, next year for sure. We got to plan it and, and make it happen. But your performance was a highly, you, you performed at the um, kickoff celebration, which was yes. 
so much fun and really energetic. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say you. energetic. You brought, you know, it, it's your own and it's your own style, but as somebody familiar also with your father's work, you both have that fun, get the people singing. We're here to have a good time, <laughs> right? Cut loose. It was, it was yeah. a joyful night. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. It was so fun. And I'm so honored to be there. It was great. So I'm glad. Thank you. So Lena, what do you do now as far I mean, I know you play a lot in New Orleans. Do you mm-hmm. play like on a regular basis? Is How does that look right now for you? Yeah, so I've been at the Hotel Montleon, which I was telling you about, is uh, the Italian family-owned hotel. It's a beautiful hotel on Royal Street in New Orleans, and I've been there for about five and a half years. It's my regular gig, and I work there on Friday nights. During the summer, I'll be there Friday and Saturday nights as well. And then I travel around and do, I love Italian festivals. So of course yep. I've done many, many <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've done many Italian festivals and I do shows. I'm playing Vegas once a year at the Suncoast showroom in Las Vegas. So I've got a show there on July 8th and I've, I'm calling the show old Vegas and new Orleans because those are both things that I know really well. And I love talking about how my dad brought the new Orleans style of music to Vegas. And then it just, caught on in this exciting way in Las Vegas. So his excitement and his musicians and his style of music, he brought that everywhere he went. But of course, he created this great thing happening in Vegas back in the 50s. So it's a fun show to be able to segue back and forth from New Orleans music to Las Vegas. And then we do a Mardi Gras. We do, you know, we march around the audience and hand out beads, you know, (laughs) give everybody the experience. It's really fun. I love how focused you are on his legacy and promoting it. I I feel like in some ways we all do that with our parents who are close to them when, you know, when they're gone, but it's so great. You get to do it on this scale and in this very specific or kind of original, unique way. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoy it and feel sort of like honored to even mm. be able to do this. You know what I'm saying? To talk mm. about him like that. And oh my God, it's it's amazing to me. What a gift, you know? So are you able to keep your Italian-American traditions going on the road and within nowadays, you know, in this day and age, we're always interested in how people are, are keeping the traditions going, you know, in this modern day. Well, you mean like as far as, like what type of traditions? Uh, like you know what any of them? I mean, things that you did when you were younger. Are you you know a lot? Not a lot of people these days are doing Sunday dinner, but my family we do dinner on Mondays. We've changed it a little. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we've modernized yeah, I it. Guess, <laughs> yeah, I guess that doesn't really happen on the road. I'm not really doing that type of thing. But when I am traveling and I'm doing any of my shows, really Italian American people are a big part of the audience because they're fans, you know, and so I do get to hang out with these people, especially if I am in town for a couple days or whatever, I'll get to go to somebody's restaurant and we all have a big fun dinner there. And it just feels like that family feeling of the Italian tradition. You know what I'm saying? So that has happened to me many, many, many times on the road. So it does feel like it never goes away, you know, like it's never being ignored. 
You were saying that's how you grew up too. So it sounds like you're kind of doing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Different way. Yeah. It's great. Your father was a music icon, but he was for Italians, a super, superstar, like we've talked about, and he really galvanized the community and everyone loved him. Did you feel like a pressure at all to continue that on as a singer or did you just follow your own, you know, whatever you felt like you were going to do or? Yeah, I definitely just follow. I, you know, there was never that kind of feeling within me. I just was always, I guess I just always felt like I was a singer, even at five, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) I just have always done it when I, I didn't go, you know, I tried to go to college and have a normal, I just couldn't do it. I, I was Suddenly, after a couple semesters in college, I was auditioning for a band. And then I was like, forget that. I just want to do this, you know. (laughs) And I worked. I've been literally working professionally as a singer in all kinds of different bands since I was 19. So I've luckily, I'm blessed. I've just been able to make this my life and my career, you know, since age 19. It's just, I love it. You know, it's up and down. It's a, it's a, it's a rocky road sometimes, but I don't care. You know, my dad was the same way. He left as a young man and went to New York and he just did whatever he had to do. Big bands, small bands, traveled all around the country, moved here, moved there, you know, and he was so amazing in his own person, you know? So when that's just in you, just do it. How did your grandparents feel about his decision to do that? Because uh, I'll tell you why I asked that, because as you were talking, I was thinking about this. We've had so many conversations with so many people and I was saying, wow, her early years, you know, college and leaving and mm-hmm. going on the road would be the horror for most Italian American families, right? It's like right. the opposite of what the traditional, you know, what, what they want you to do. They want you to be a lawyer. They want you to be a doctor, you know? Absolutely. Right. But in your family, it's your family. So of course you, I mean, I'm assuming there was encouragement and and maybe nobody blinked an eye, but let's go back a generation. So what did your grandparents think about your father's decision to pursue this life? From what I know, because they were, they had passed on, you know, I never met my grandfather, you know, my dad's father or mother because they he passed away before I was born and she passed away when I was just a baby but from the stories I've heard his mother was a singer and performed in little shows and things (laughs) and she was just this bigger than life it seems to me like he was just like her you know bigger than life personality and I've heard stories especially since moving back to New Orleans people that I've been here forever, just tell me these amazing stories. And I'm just so grateful for that. I heard a story that about her, she didn't speak a lot of English. So she spoke mostly Italian. And my dad's a drummer was his best friend. And he told me a story that he'd, they'd be at her at the house for Sunday dinner and she'd be cooking and singing in the kitchen. And she'd suddenly turn around to everybody and go, where do you think Louie got that from? He got it from me, from me, from me. And she'd go into a whole performance in the kitchen. Like, like this, she was just this amazing. So, I mean, I, I heard stories that, like, he wanted to go to New York when he was still a teenager. He did go, but his mother wanted him to come back, you know. So, and then I'm sure it was fine after that because he just, um, you couldn't stop him from whatever he was doing. He just right. did it, you know. Yeah. Well, so you guys I'm really sure go back that... in this field then for sure. Wow. Yeah. 
So Lena, I just want to say, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people on the Italian American podcast. And of course, everyone ends up talking about family and parents because that's what we talk about as Italians. But I have to say that of all people, you, especially your father, he just comes out of you. And it's amazing to me that you lost him at 11 and that it sounds like he's so much a part of everything you do every day. And I think that that's really really admirable to see that you've been able to take just 11 years with him and, and build it into what you continue to build it to on a daily basis. So I think it's really special. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me that you said that. Thank you. And Lena, as we wrap up here, I know you've talked about it just as we've been conversing right now, but people read up on you. And of course, you know, we'll link to your website in our show notes so our listeners can find you and, you know, maybe catch you when you're on tour. But you you are really involved in the Italian-American community. I mean, of course, you just talked about you started a whole new organization, but you you do a lot. You're very involved. And I'm always interested in asking people who we would look at and say are successful and famous and kind of asking you, why? Why do you do that? It goes back to us talking about the pride from being a child. And my dad made me feel proud, like being Italian was something to be proud of. So even as a kid, like I started a little club <laughs> with a <laughs> Labaches, when I, and we had T-shirts and we were girls and Awesome. Just to be Italian and be cool. And I always wanted an Italian patch on my jacket and just says, <laughs> I'm Italian, you know, like that's the coolest thing in the world. Like I just grew up <laughs> thinking that and believing that. So when I'm here and when I'm traveling and I meet it, I try to connect everybody and like we're a big club, all of us in this country, you know, like we're all just, <laughs> we all need to meet each other and hang out, you know, cause we yep. are Italian and we're yep. cool. <laughs> I like that. That's the quote of the show. Yeah, I just feel that way. I do. No, you know what? It's true. And I'll I'll tell you what, Dolores and I have talked, like I said, to a lot of people on the podcast and no matter who it is, where they are, where they're from, instantly that Italian American background just connects us and we talk and people share things and people love to talk about this stuff because at the end of the day, it's like really who you are and we need to make it live on and be strong. And that's why we do what we do. And that's, I'm sure that's why you do a lot of the stuff you do, which is great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we all just inspire each other and it's great. It's great because we are cool. (laughs) (laughs) And rather good looking, might I add. (laughs) Oh yes. And I still have my Italia patch on my jacket. Well, Lena Prima, thank you so much for joining us here on the Italian American podcast. We're going to link to Lena's site. So, you know, hopefully you can go see her. It's it's certainly a wonderful show. Like I said, Dolores and I were there. We were dancing. We were loving it. And we just thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us and for everything you're doing. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And thank you as well. And I can't wait to meet you. Come to New Orleans. Let's hang out. (laughs) We're there. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
It is now time for the Italian-American Stories segment of the episode. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations. We try to play a recording or a story from one of our listeners or our own relatives or even read something that a listener submitted. All right, and today this is a special one for me because I'm going to tell you a little bit of my own story. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, my book, 40 Days in Italy, Con la Mia Familia, How to Research Your Italian Roots and Travel to Italy on Your Own Terms, is going to be out this Tuesday, uh, June 13, 2017. And it's really, yes, it's about my trip to Italy last summer where I found, well, met living relatives for the first time, but it's more than that. It's a how-to in a sense, at least for half of the book on how I did it. I mean, three years ago, I didn't even know I had family in Italy. So basically talked to my grandparents. I took that information. I did all the research online. I found my relatives online. I started talking with them. Then my wife and I planned a 40-day trip. We took our three kids for the summer and it was just amazing. And so in the book, I give you all the steps that I took. There's also a companion website that if you get the book and you read it, you'll have a link to a website where you can download all the resources for yourself. So I'm really excited about it because it means a lot to me and it's more than just a book. I want to help as many Italian Americans as I can get back to their ancestral villages. Dolores and I have talked a lot about that recently and we are really, really excited about doing that. So without further ado, you're going to hear me here reading from the book. And this is a part that I've written about before where I actually went to Controne where Antonio Fasano my great-grandfather's from, and I found his birth certificate. So here it goes. The moment all Italian-Americans live for. The next day, I woke early, left Jill and the kids at the apartment, and drove to the family's farm. Aldicio had agreed to drive with me to Controne, a small village 20 minutes away where my great-grandfather Antonio Fasano was born. As his namesake, I felt an obligation to learn about this man. I sat in the small Fiat next to Aldicio, and there were about 10 different feelings running through me, among them excitement, nervousness, anxiety, and disbelief. This day would prove to be one that stood out from many other days on this trip. The car ride consisted of some small talk and my conversational at best Italian with my cousin, whom I had only met earlier that week. Even though our communication wasn't perfect, we both knew the importance of this trip and Aldicio seemed to be as determined as me to find out about this figure who meant so much, Antonio Fasano. Cantrone is a small village in the province of Salerno in the region of southwestern Italy. In 2010, its population was 873. It was a half-hour ride through the rolling hills of Salerno, up and down, orchard after orchard, and then finally, we arrived. Aldicio pulled into the driveway of the first house we saw, which sat next to a small yellow church. He left the car, went up to the door, and knocked. A woman came out, and they engaged in a short conversation during which he pointed at me several times. The woman went back inside to get her car keys, and we followed her to a house about two minutes down the street. As we pulled up to the house, I saw the name Fasano on the driveway signpost. Immediately, I got goosebumps again. We got out of our cars and the woman called up to a balcony explaining to the woman upstairs who we were. Without hesitation, the woman named Leliana invited us into her house. 
It was only she and an older woman there at the time, but she invited us to sit down in her kitchen and immediately offer us food and drink. I didn't think about it at the time, but the trust these people had to let two men whom they've never met before into their house was wonderful. Her husband, Antonio Fasano, showed up a few minutes later. I am still not sure how he knew we were there, as she didn't make a phone call, but apparently news in small villages in southern Italy travels quickly. This man, who was a very welcoming and kind man, came up to me, put out his hand, and said, Sono Antonio Fasano, which meant, I am Anthony Fasano. I shook his hand and repeated, Sono Antonio Fasano. We both smiled and laughed. He went into the formal dining room and took a letter off the table and he held it up as if to say, I knew you were coming. It was a letter I had written him about six months earlier explaining who I was and that I was coming to find out about my great-grandfather who shared my name. Until he showed me the letter, I had no idea that I had sent it to him specifically. I just sent it to anyone with the name Fasano in the area, as I mentioned in chapter two. We talked for a short time with the help of Aldicio and found out that we are distant cousins. This is when it got interesting. Aldicio, Antonio, and I got into the Fiat. I had no idea where we were going, but ended up in the Comune or Village Hall. We went to the records department and Antonio told me to give them the information about my great-grandfather. I had a birthday for him of 1892. I also had information that he arrived in the United States in 1912 at the age of 23. After looking through a few different books based on his birth year of 1892, they found nothing and my excitement started to turn to fear. Did I come all this way for nothing? Would I not be able to confirm my name came from this small village in the mountains? Then, all of a sudden, Aldicio and Antonio started pointing to my notes and saying to the man behind the counter, Mille Ottocento Ottanta Nove, They said it repeatedly and with excitement. They had realized that if my great-grandfather was 23 in 1912, he would have been born in 1889, not 1892. They opened the book and flipped through the pages slowly with all of us anxiously awaiting. Antonio soon began pointing and said, Echo qua. I knew enough Italian to realize this was it. They had found it. Antonio Giorgio Fasano, born on November 12, 1889, in Controne, Italy. I would later realize that not only was it rare for Italians to have middle names, but that no one in my family knew he had a middle name, which is probably why there are no Giorgios in my family. Yet, they wouldn't give me a copy of the birth certificate, but they did allow me to take a photo. The three of us went to the bar next door for a celebratory drink. So I hope you enjoyed our episode today, our interview with Lena Prima, which was a really fun one. And then my reading from my book, which will be out Tuesday. The book will be available Tuesday by going to ItalianAmericanStory.com. Um, this is how I wrote my story, what's in this book. And it can help you, I believe, to write your story by going back to Italy. Again, really excited about it. All right, Dolores, why don't you take us out? Okay, Anthony, before we say ciao, I want to remind everybody that we are having a lot of fun over in the new neighborhood. And if you haven't joined us already, please do 
So go to italianamericanexperience.com forward slash new neighborhood. We're in the middle of reading books together, sharing recipes, pictures, laughing, and just really having a good time and taking this whole community traditions thing to a deeper next level. So please join us. Outside of that, you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Italian American. We are on Twitter at Ital American. And we are on Facebook at Italian American Podcast. Grazie mille. Grazie mille.